Go ahead and take your copy of God's Word, if you will, and turn to the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm. I want to address the last part of verse 1 into verse 3. And you would think that wouldn't be a challenge in our time frame tonight. But it is. Because there is so much. I, I have looked across the next few weeks of different things that are going on, and I've tried to schedule this out. Uh, I, could, I could take much longer. Some of you are not surprised. I could take much longer on the 23rd Psalm, but uh, when you look at this material tonight, you just see so many different aspects and so many different blessings that God gives us through this Psalm. So let's look at it again, and I know that we've read it all before, but let, let's read the whole thing. I just want to hear the whole thing again. Can you, can you go along with me on that? I just want to hear the whole 23rd Psalm, and then we'll come back and look at the last verse 1 through verse 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David's personal testimony. And as we saw last week, as we were reminded, David said, this is my shepherd. He is the Lord. He is the creator of the universe. He is the God of Israel. And this God has become my personal shepherd. Well, what are the consequences of that? How does that relationship play out? Well, the relationship of God as shepherd plays out in God taking responsibility for the sheep. That God says, I will take care of my sheep. And that's basically what I hear him saying at the end of verse 1 through verse 3. He says, I shall not won't. It is the idea that the Lord who becomes our shepherd is the one who provides for us. He is the one who takes care of us. He is the one that provides everything that we need. This idea, I shall not want, means that he provides for us our sustenance. He provides for us our daily needs. I talked about it just a little bit this morning, right? That God has blessed us so much and, and he has. There is no reason to wait till Thanksgiving to show our gratitude toward him. He has blessed us immensely. And each day we should have hearts of gratitude for what he's done and for who he is. Because here we are sitting in this place tonight. In a very fine place, by the way, that God has blessed us with. He has put clothes on our back. He has put food in our stomach, and I know some of you are hungrier tonight because of the time change, but he's going to feed you in just a little while. He has given us everything that we need. And you know what's incredible? Often we never even ask him. Not for those basic needs. We might pray a prayer like, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. We might pray something like that, but most of the time we don't go into specifics. I was sharing with some of the guys that I met with this week that, that God just gives us some things whether we ask or not. Now, I know, I know that some things we don't have because we don't ask. 
Some things we don't have because no matter how much we ask, he's not going to give. But then there are some things he just gives us and we don't even ask for. How many of you this morning specifically got up and said, God, would you give me breath today? Maybe a couple of you, but most of us did not. How many of us got up and said, God, I pray that you would give me enough food to make it through the day? No. You didn't get up and ask that. You didn't get up this morning and say, God, I pray that you would allow me to continue to live in my house. Why? Because you just expected that to happen. Why? Because God had met your need before. And he's continually met your need. And we don't get up asking him for these specific things because God is constantly meeting our needs. We just expect him. It is a sign of faith in some way. Lord, I trust you. Right? You are the shepherd. And the shepherd assumes responsibility for the sheep. If he is my shepherd, that means I don't have to worry about the basics because he's going to take care of those things. He is going to take care of the green pastures and the still waters. He's going to provide for me exactly what I need. God never promised to meet our greeds, but he did promise to meet our needs, right? And he will work in our lives. And it shows how dependent we are. When you use this shepherd-sheep analogy, you're reminded how dependent the sheep are upon the shepherd. Because sheep are dumb animals. I hate to offend any of you who may be sheep lovers. Probably some of you in the same category with cats or whatever else. Just say, just, hey, I've been wearing my cat socks, Jeremy. I've been wearing those around. I, somebody gave me cat socks. Three different people. One on staff here. But uh, gave me cat socks for pastor appreciation. But I've been wearing those around, so I'm warming up to the idea. Still can't stand them, but I'm warming up to the idea. Sheep are dumb animals. I mean, everything that I've read. Now, I've not been a shepherd. I've read a lot about how sheep just do not know how to take care of themselves. Uh, I shared with you uh, last week that my grandparents that live right next door to us had a dairy. So I was around farm animals. And when I was younger, I actually, I don't know how it came to pass. I've never asked my mom, but I actually got a little sheep when I was little. And I would keep it like out in this little like pen area. I would go, I would put a leash on that thing and try to lead it around. It, you should have seen. I have no idea what my parents were thinking by allowing me to have this sheep. But I realized quite quickly that a sheep was just not the smartest animal on the farm. There were a lot of others, dogs and other things that you could tell what to do. A sheep, you could not tell what to do. It would not even listen. You had to provide. You had to take care of things. The shepherd takes care of the sheep. We're totally dependent upon the shepherd. We'll look at it a little later on, but when you, even when you think about a sheep, you think about how defenseless they are. I mean, they have nothing, right? When an animal comes to attack, they have no sharp teeth to defend themselves with. They, they, they have no like, like fighting ability. Have you ever seen a sheep that you thought, yeah, I want to take him in the fight? No. 
The shepherd is the one who assumes all responsibility for the protection and the provision of the sheep. Because that's the shepherd's nature. The shepherd's nature is, I take care of the sheep. The nature of God above is, I'm going to take care of my sheep. It grows out of who he is. As he takes care of us, he provides for us. And yes, he provides our basics every day. He will care for us. But not just the sustenance of everyday life. But I think he provides for us refreshment. I love this picture that David paints for us. And of course, David being the shepherd, understanding sheep, understanding the analogy so much better than we do. He says, it is this shepherd who makes me to lie down in green pastures. It is he who leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, yes, you could talk about the green pastures and the grass and the pasture land, the provision, the physical provision. You could talk about the water that they would need, and they did need water. They, they needed still water because sheep can't drink from rushing water. So they needed all that to survive. But I think here it's not just about physical sustenance. It's about refreshment. It's about, for us, spiritual refreshment. The green pastures and the still waters. When I was back taking my class under Dr. Dennis Cole at New Orleans, going through these psalms in the Hebrew uh, we got to the 23rd Psalm and we were translating it and we noticed there that it's not just the still waters, it's literally what it means is the waters of resting. The waters of resting. That he brings us to the waters of rest. He makes us lie down and then he leads us to the waters of rest. I do think it's a beautiful picture. Aren't you proud that in our frantic world, in the hectic life that we live, that God sometimes would just make us lie down in the green pastures. You know, the, the sheep can get so frantic, they can run in all different directions, especially when they're spooked or scared. But the shepherd brings them back in and makes them lie down right there on those green pastures, right beside the still waters, the waters of resting. And that is more to me than just provision, that, that more to me than just daily sustenance. It is the idea of refreshment. Because sometimes we need not just the physical provision, we need mental, emotional, and spiritual provision. There have been days I looked at Leslie and said, I think I'm going to take a mental health day today. You know, when we talk about sickness, you know, taking a sick day and all of this, sometimes, sometimes it just seems like you just need, you need to experience rest and refreshment. And this is what the shepherd provides for us. How many of us have been there? How many of us just were able to lay down in those green pastures and just hear the resting waters right by us. God has a way of doing that, of renewing and refreshing us. Oh, He provides. He provides.
for us daily in our physical needs, but he provides for us daily in our mental and emotional and spiritual needs. You don't miss that part of it. Because as much as we praise him for the food we have on the table, all how we ought to praise him for the peace that he gives us to get through each day. And the refreshment and the renewal he gives us when we are at our wit's end. Where he just brings us and calms us and rests us in his presence. He provides refreshment. Well, again, this idea of provision, he provides also restoration. He restores my soul. I love that part of this song. I love it. It, It's the idea, again, playing off of the previous verse of renewal and refreshment, but the renewal of the soul, the renewal of who you are, the renewal of who I am. Now, it has been pointed out that the word restore here is the same word, or loosely connected at least, to the word for repentance or conversion. So in other words, when you think about the restoration of the soul that he restores, it's like he, he brings back the soul. He, he, he converts the soul. He works within the personhood and who we are. And sheep, they often wander away, don't they? And they have to be restored. They have to be brought back. I was thinking of Isaiah 53, 6 earlier. I wrote it down. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. Why would he mention that? Why would Isaiah say, all of us like sheep have gone astray? Because all sheep go astray. They knew that. They knew that these sheep, again, they just could find themselves wandering out aimlessly away from the flock. Why did Jesus say something about leaving the 99 and going after the one? Because it seemed like there was always a sheep. There was always this this movement away from the flock by a sheep. So he says here, I will restore. I will bring him back. I will minister in this sheep's life. I did read, obviously, a little bit about the practice of early shepherds, and especially as it relates to the idea of bringing sheep back. It has been said that sometimes when a sheep would wander away, the shepherd would go out and they would find the sheep, and they would bring the sheep close, to it, maybe to his bosom. And in that process, though, he would break the leg of the sheep. Seems so harsh. It seems so difficult even to kind of imagine. But the idea was that he would break the leg of the sheep so that he could bring the sheep back to the fold and that he would not wander away again. He was doing it for the benefit of the sheep, as rough and as harsh as it sounded. He was going to use it so that the sheep would be able to stay within the fold. There probably been a few times where God has broken me in some different ways. How about you? When I wandered away. And it did not feel good. It did not 
feel like what I thought should be happening. But this is what I found out about God. He didn't call me to a life where it would be a life of feel good all the time. As a matter of fact, there are going to be moments of discipline in my life. Why? Because he loves me. Didn't I, somewhere say, somebody say something about like he who he whom he loves, he is also going to chasten or so, something like that. Didn't somebody say something like that somewhere along the way? Ah, the writer of Hebrews, right? Said that he chastens those whom he loves. And Jesus, the good shepherd, will chasten us. He will discipline us just like you discipline your children or your grandchildren. Don't you? Maybe not grandchildren so much. Let's go back. When you discipline your children. But they're disciplined. Why? Because you love them. That's always uh, part of the parenting, part of the guiding, part of the leading responsibility that you as a parent have. And for the shepherd, he wants the sheep to stay. He wants the sheep to stay with the fold, so he has to bring discipline. But what he does is through this pain and through this hurt, he brings restoration. He is able to bring restoration to the soul. So even when we are at our most broken moments, God can take those things and restore us and renew our soul. Literally, it reads here, is ever being restored. Is ever being restored. Or my soul is. In other words, he is constantly working. And I need that as well. Because there are moments when my soul feels crushed. My spirit feels like it has been burdened down. And yet, he restores. And he renews. The shepherd would take that sheep after breaking the leg and would place a splint upon it and care for it and demonstrate love and compassion. And our Lord, even as he brings us through difficult moments, he still cares for us through those moments, through those times. He provides for us restoration. Let me say this finally. He provides for us leadership. Look at this. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He leads us. I believe the shepherd lives to lead. I believe that the shepherd in his DNA has some type of leadership responsibility. The shepherd just does that. He is who he is. He is going to lead the sheep. I said to you a few moments ago that these sheep, they're not the smartest animals because they're, they're directionally challenged. They, they don't know like exactly where they are all the time. All they care about sometimes is the next uh, leaf of grass. That's all they're looking at, right? They're consuming. Have you ever, a sheep will just begin to eat and eat and eat a little farther over there and a little farther over there and a little farther over there and a little farther over there. Before you know it, he is so far. He didn't intend to get that far. He just went that far because all he was concerned about was the next blade of grass. The shepherd is responsible for leading. For leading 
the sheep into the paths of righteousness. Now, there are a lot of people who feel like they're led, but they may not be led by God. Oh, they'll blame God. We often blame God on everything we do. Well, I feel led to do this. I, I had a deacon some years ago uh, came to me, and he said, you know, I think you preachers, I think you uh, carry around in your pocket a bunch of fishing lead. And I said, Scott, what do you mean by that? He said, I, I think that's what you do. I think you all just carry around fishing lead. I said, yes, I heard what you said, but tell me what you mean. What do you? He said, because all you do is you stick your hand in your pocket and you go around saying, I feel lead, I feel lead. <laughs> Obviously, it was not one of the best deacons I ever had. But there are some people that just go around that, you know, everything they feel that. The sheep know his voice. The sheep know his voice. Not the voice of the hireling, not the voice of the false shepherd. His people know his voice. And may I just say this to you? When he leads us in paths of righteousness, what he tells us will never disagree with what he's already said. I, I, can, I can guarantee you that. He will never contradict what he's already said in his word. And you and I need to remember, if somebody comes to us and says, well, this is what God's told me to do. If it goes against what God has already said, then that is not of God. This is his perfect revelation. This is how he leads us and how he guides us. And he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. Yes, he does. He gives us his truth, but his spirit never contradicts what his written word says. But he leads us into paths of righteousness. Again, when I was looking at these translations, the idea of the path of righteousness is the idea of like, like a cow path. Mark, it's like a calf path is what I think they would tell me uh, in my early Hebrew classes. And I kind of, I kind of understood that because I don't know if you've noted this yet, but uh, I, I kind of came from a rural upbringing, agrarian type of society I came from. Uh, Chris Albritton, did I mention his name? I meant to never say that name again here in this church. But uh, he sent me, and some of you may have seen on Facebook, he sent me a happy birthday this week. And he said on there, happy birthday to the most hillbilly pastor I've ever served with, served under. <laughs> I told him just when he comes home for Christmas, it's fine. I will take him to the hills and school him in shooting ducks when he comes home. Just wait. But anyway, so yes, I did grow up in a very rural type of area. And I mentioned it, that my grandparents had that dairy. Oftentimes we would go out in the pasture. And it was amazing how those cows had like just worn down the grass. And there would be trails. Like you could just follow the trail. And there it was. You know, cows could do that. Again, sheep didn't have quite that knowledge about them. Sometimes, you know, we look around and... We ought to have those trails. 
But there's a problem. I'm not sure we walk the paths of righteousness enough to wear down the trails, just to be honest with you. But there should be the trails. And if we can't see them or those sheep can't see them, we don't have to worry about whether they're beaten down or not. What God does is He just leads us as the shepherd. He just guides us on those paths. And it is, again, the path of righteousness, that which is right, that which is holy, that which is pleasing to Him. But why does He do it? And this is where I want to wrap it up. He does it. He provides. He takes care of us. Because notice this. He provides for our daily sustenance. He, he provides for our refreshment. He, prays, uh, he provides for our restoration. He provides for our leadership. He's there with us. When we don't know what in the world to do and where we're going, He walks with us and He leads us. He does all of that for what? For His namesake. Now, He loves us. But understand the good shepherd, God, he is doing this for his own namesake. That may seem strange to us, but it is God extending his glory to his people and beyond. It is the idea of upholding his reputation, upholding his personhood, because our God is good. Our God is more than good. And his name needs to be celebrated everywhere. And he says, I do this for my namesake, for who I am, for my personhood, that people will see that I am the good, glorious God. Later on, in the book of Ezekiel, the people of Israel are in Babylon. They are there by their own choice because they have rebelled against Yahweh God. They have forsaken the covenant because of that, God sent them into bondage in Babylon. And in Ezekiel, you have the promise of renewal that God is going to restore the people. And this is what he says in Ezekiel 36, 20. He says, when they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name. Did you hear that? I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. He said, I'm about to deliver you. But it is not because you are such a great person, because actually... You all went among the other nations and profaned my name, my reputation. When you should have been a light unto the nations, as Isaiah said, you went out and you actually, you actually detracted from my name. You took away from my glory. But I'm about to work within you to bring you back. And when I give life to those dead bones, oh yeah, you remember Ezekiel 37, that vision? When I give life to those dead bones and bone comes upon bone and sinew comes upon sinew and muscle comes to muscle and the skin is given and the breath of life is given, the people everywhere will know that it is I, the Lord God, who brought back the people of Israel. 
because he was doing it not for their sake, but for his glory to be extended among all the nations. Why does he call you and I to walk the paths of righteousness and follow him? Why does he provide for us so that we can make his name great among the nations? Because we can declare his glory. We do it for his namesake. We don't do it for ours. It's not about advancing the reputation of us individually. It's not even about advancing the reputation of Temple Baptist Church. It should always be about advancing the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the only name worthy of worship and praise, the only name that gives life and forgiveness to individuals. He says, I do it for my namesake. So I say to you, as we get ready to leave this place, we think about the shepherd who provides who provides for us daily in the physical sustenance, in the daily refreshment, in the restoration, in the leadership. As we leave this place, I think we should join in David, with David, even as he says in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. We go from this place. We need to exalt his name together. For he is doing this. He is working in us for his name's sake. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For who you are, thank you for how you provide. God, if we just stopped tonight and began testifying, we would be here through the night and to tomorrow and beyond of your goodness and greatness. You've been so much better to us than we ever deserved. Whether it's providing for us each day, the shoes on our feet, clothes on our back whether it's your refreshing spirit that comes into our lives when we are at our wits end and you mentally and emotionally renew us and refresh us whether it's when we walk away and you come to us and bring us back and restore us even though it may be painful Lord we thank you for bringing such discipline in our lives that you love us so much that you would do that And God, we tonight confess our dependency upon you for all these things and we confess our dependency upon you for even the leadership. Because Lord, we all have decisions to make. We have daily lives to live. And apart from your word and your spirit, your voice calling to us, we could never do it on our own. Lord, thank you for being there for us in all these ways. And as we go from this place, may we exalt your name. May we advance it. May we uphold your reputation in this community and beyond, even to the nations themselves. Lord, we pray it in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand?